Welcome to the 46th episode of the Toledo Matters Podcast. We are back from our holiday break, and as always, your host is here, Bob Tucker, your co-host, Danny Woodcock, and myself, Nathan Lewis. Our audio engineer. Welcome back, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a little while. For sure. We, did um, our, we do our typical <laughs> Christmas break. You should explain the background. Yeah, you, you may hear in the background my daughter talking we a little bit. We have a special guest with us here for the well, intro say today. hi. You say hi? Hi. <laughs> so she's hanging out for the intro here um and uh yeah so hopefully she won't talk this bump good too. job <laughs> you may hear a little bit but hopefully not too much she's pretty chatty yeah um so uh today's Chris, a special episode it is it yeah. is of our very first live episode of the toledo matters podcast and, and by live audience. we mean in front of a live studio audience right i didn't look at the live. crowd once once we started I, I didn't either i kept looking at wade the whole time i did i was just like <laughs> don't look at the eight people that are here it's not gonna you know <laughs> five of them are family <laughs> yeah it filled so, in it filled in as we got going though so today we are Today on the podcast, we sit down with the new mayor of Toledo, Wade Tapsikavich, at his free family fun day at the Toledo Library. Which was a lot of fun. They had a pretty good turnout. They had like 3,000 people. It was. Yep. I think it was because of the free pizza. It I think it was because of us. But, oh, and yeah. us. That's yeah. right. Shout out to Shazad, the IT yes, guy. Thank you, Shazad. He did a great job for us. Um, and thank you to everyone who uh, got that all set up for us, the mayor's office and the Toledo um, downtown library branch yep they were all great um and it was i think it's like like we're an official podcast now like once you've done a live <laughs> episode that's like when you've become not just one of the many podcasts you become like yeah. a serious show once and, you've done something live. And, and because of the way we record it it's going to sound a little different than than our normal shows and nate you want to talk about that? yeah there's a lot of challenges uh with recording live stuff especially when you're going to a room you've never been in and, uh, you know, limited access to what you can do and can't do. Um, and we had a quick setup time. Uh, so I think it turned out pretty good for the circumstances, but it certainly won't have the um, the, the usual polish that, that our shows have. But uh, I think it's going to be still very listenable. And uh, Wade was very interesting to talk to. And oh, yeah. It was very fun. So, yeah, for sure. Without further ado, here's the mayor, Wade Kapsikavich. Welcome, everyone, to the uh, 46th episode of the Toledo Matters podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here today. This is our very first live episode of the show. Um, with us today, as always, we have our host, Bob Tucker, Hello. Uh, our co-host, Danny Woodcock, Hi. and myself, Nathan Lewis. Our audio engineer, and our guest today is Mayor uh, Wade Kepsikavich. Welcome. Thank you for coming out no, today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and... <laughs> and, and the applause button. That's a real. Uh, right, that's exactly. a real crowd, people. <laughs> Usually we have a button for that. But um, <laughs> so this is part of the uh, Free Family Fun Day inaugural celebration, part of uh, the mayor's inauguration celebration. So thank you all for coming. Uh, we're recording this at the Toledo Lucas County Main Library and it's McMaster Auditorium. It's a pretty nice place. Yeah, very and, nice. And beautiful. Th those of you in the audience that don't know who we are, we're the Toledo Matters Podcast, which is a podcast about interesting people and things in the Toledo area. You can find us at ToledoMatters.com and wherever you find podcasts. Uh, we're excited to be here. So without further ado, we're going to... The standard is interesting people that we should uh, cancel the show. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I go find one. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so today we have the mayor, which we're pretty excited about. And, Absolutely. And thank you for, for joining us. Um, and so how we usually start is we talk about your background and things. So... Um, 
for folks who don't know, did you grow up in Toledo? Are you from elsewhere? No, yeah, I, um, I was born in San Diego simply because my dad was in the Navy. But uh, as soon as he was, he was discharged, we um, moved to Toledo. And I think I was three months old or four months old. And I've been a Toledoan uh, ever since, uh, with the exception of uh, collegiate stays. In, uh, I did my undergrad in Milwaukee. Uh, I got a master's degree at the University of Michigan, though I prove, proving what a politician Ooh. I am. <laughs> I am among the world's biggest Ohio State fans, so I, I can work both sides of the room depending on whatever. Well done. But Good yeah, choice. So a, a Toledo win for uh, all of my 45 years. And, and what neighborhoods did you grow up in? And the, the home uh, that we moved into when I was three months old after my dad got out of the Navy um, is the same house that my mom and dad still live in to this day. Very and cool. it's a little street uh, called Capistrano over in uh, West, Northwest uh, Toledo, Miracle Mile neighborhood. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I went yeah. to uh, Regina Chaley grade school, which is right up Bennett Road. So that's, that is- uh, How about high school? High school. Uh, went to St. Francis. Yes. Uh, okay. Hello, night. As if that weren't <laughs> enough Catholic guilt. You know? I mean, so the eight years of grade school and four years of high school was not enough. Um, I went up to Marquette University, which okay. is a Jesuit school up in Milwaukee. So, um, yeah, so the, my folks still live in the same house we grew up in. And um, I, like I said, went away to school in Milwaukee and Ann Arbor. And uh, the first house I bought uh, was not too far from there over in the library village neighborhood of Toledo, uh, a street called Sabra, which is just, it's near Eleanor and Jackman, Willie's Parkway, Overland. Um, then I uh, uh, met my wife and we got married and when the kids started arriving, we moved into a house with a few more rooms since we needed that. <laughs> that happens, yeah. Into our current, uh, where we live right now, uh, which is in Old Orchard. So All right. this is generally a sort of West, West Toledo sort of feel uh, in, in, as I've grown up. Cool. And, and, and while you're mentioning your, your parents, uh, your mom taught me preschool. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. That, um, so do you still call her Mrs. Cabbage Patch? <laughs> Actually, I think I called her Mrs. Cabbage Cabbage. Mrs. Cabbage Cabbage? Okay. That's a, the, it, is, it, it was, uh, my mother was a preschool teacher uh, for, I don't know, 30, 35 years. She actually taught uh, art at the museum also. She is sort of the right brain side of the family is very artistic and creative. My sister uh, has a lot of that also. My dad is the left brain, <laughs> help me with my calculus homework sort of <laughs> thing. But the biggest difference is that he was a Toledo police officer. Okay. So whenever someone like you would say, oh, I know your mom, I knew that was going to be a good conversation and a happy experience. Sure. Whenever someone said, "Hey, I met your dad," I'm like, "Ah, oh, geez, you know." Now, were, you, context, were you speeding? Yeah. Uh, what were you doing? You know, so, all right. And before we get to, I guess, some more glamorous positions that less glamorous positions actually that you've had, I understand that you were once Muddy the Mudhen. That is the most glamorous position. <laughs> Before we get to the, the less held. glamorous ones, yeah. The, by the way, speaking of glamour, we've been jo joined by Toledo City Councilman Nick Comives. Welcome. Welcome. The, who may or may not have ever been Muddy the Mudhen in his time. Uh, <laughs> Are you serious? Yes or no? No, I, I'm oh. pretty sure the answer is no for Nick. The, um, <laughs> but I was. I um, uh, was sort of my extracurricular of choice in uh, high school. 
uh, was uh, musicals. I was sort of very theatrical. In fact, I have joked and looked back and said it being in all those musicals and plays prepared me well for career in politics, because at the end of the day, it's all just make-believe. But uh, having done that, I somehow parlayed that into performing as the pig that built the stick house that the Big Bad Wolf blew down at Disney World, actually. uh, That was the summer after my senior year in high school. So with that crucial stuffed animal experience, uh, one year later, so this would be the summer after my freshman year in college, so I would have been, I guess, 18 or so, I actually was doing an internship um, for the Mud Hens, um, sort of working in, in the front office and helping the, you know, helping in the operations of the team. Yeah. And um, mid-season, the person who was Muddy the Mud Hen uh, suffered, and I can't remember if it was an, if he broke an, I don't know what happened, so, but Stop something job. happened to the actual- No longer be Muddy the Mud Hen. He could no longer perform the duties. related injury, yeah. Right. Could not perform the duties associated with being Muddy the Mud Hen. So <laughs> much like the runner-up to Miss America is always poised and ready to ah. take over. Um, You're an understudy. I, I, yeah, I sort of sheepishly <laughs> raised my hand. I said, well, I, I was the pig that built the stick house that the Big Bad Wolf blew down yeah. last year. It's on your end. You're yeah. hired. That's, yeah. That's plenty so, of experience. Right. So <laughs> for the remainder of the 1991 baseball season, I, in fact, was Muddy the Mud. So I don't know if that is something I want every Toledoan to know <laughs> or no Toledoans to know, well, uh, but it is true. Well, that's did you, that's did you enjoy it? Was it fun? I did. I, I, I enjoyed it. it um, you know, there it was a lot of dancing on the uh, you know, dugout roof to inspire enthusiasm among the crowd. I, I, I will say this much. The costume that, by the way, I feel bad we are ruining the excitement for your own children. Oh, right? I, your, your, your very own children here are going to be scarred to know that Muddy the Mudhen, anyhow. The <laughs> costume that Muddy the Mudhen wore in the summer of 1991. That's a costume? Was not, it's a costume, yeah. What? was not exactly... You've as, also ruined it for Danny, by the way. <laughs> it was not as flattering as the one that... I mean, Muddy is now a more dashing figure. <laughs> dashing, he, huh? He's a little more handsome. I noticed that they've given him a girlfriend now. Oh, Madonna. yeah, that's so, nice. To having the in my good. day, <laughs> there was no Madonna. I, right. I was alone on an island, and it was just a little more of a dehumanizing uh, suit that I know involved yellow tights and embarrassment. <laughs> so, um, but I did enjoy right. it. I was always surprised when uh, the children in the, uh, in the crowd, I was not surprised when they would come up and interact with me. That indeed is the whole point. I was always shocked at how many of them had such a zest for proving that I was not really a six foot one duck. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so they were, you know, constantly trying to you know, rip off my, you know, he's a human, look at him, and, you know, kicking me where you don't want to be kicked, and I'm trying to stay in character, you know, quack, quack, you know, (laughs) do not kick me there again, you know, so, but it was fun, I enjoyed it an awful lot, and actually, uh, Joe Napoli, um, who is now the uh, GM and president of both the Walleye and the Mud Hens. He's also a, a key part in this, the creation of this show, kind of, he kind of helped spawn the idea a little bit. Because he was my boss, even way back, boy, this is almost 30 years ago now, during his first trip through Toledo. So he was probably a 
four-year-old assistant to Gene Cook, who was the GM at that time. He <laughs> then went away to work for, I think, the Bulls and the Pistons. Yeah. Right, yeah. And yeah. came back. So it was interesting. So it is, even though Joe left for a number of years, he was my, he, he was, so he can vouch for the fact that I was Muddy the Mud Hen. He can vouch for it. Yeah, we did have him on the show, and he does have an interesting story. It's a, that's a, that was a good, a good episode, for sure. He's a cool... So uh, being Muddy the Mud Hen then prepared you for, for a life of politics, because <laughs> you're, you're dealing with... You know, children, like angry and happy and all that, right? <laughs> now, the, are the children you're referring to members of city council? Because I, I take <laughs> offense to that, uh, even if Nick doesn't. Um, no, they're like, I joke there's a little bit of make-believe in all of it. Sure. But uh, no, it was, um, of all the uniquely Toledo things that you can do, I suppose being Muddy the Mud Hens up list. But that, those were back in the days when the games were played Bell out Stadium, at the yeah, rec center, way yeah. out in... Mommy, I, I mean, it was way out for me, but I, it, it's a much better that location. At the Ned Skeldon, or is that before that? Ned, Ned Skeldon Stadium? Yeah. Yeah, that was Ned Skeldon oh, okay. Stadium. Okay. Yeah. So it was originally, however, a horse track, as I understand. I think it was Ooh. built in 1965. For like horse betting and stuff like that? Yeah, for actual right, horse racing. harness racing. Mm -hmm. or yeah, thoroughbreds, yeah. So it just was an odd, it never seemed to fit yeah. baseball, for, for yeah. a baseball yeah. uh, stadium. <laughs> So you've been involved in politics for a while now. What made you interested in, in pursuing that as a profession? Mm -hmm. um, I, when I was at St. Francis and when I decided to go to Marquette, it was to pursue a journalism degree, actually. And I tell the story a lot that had I not met a, an individual, a mentor who actually very much changed my life and put me on a different course, I could well be here to, today as a Toledo Blade reporter, God forbid, um, <laughs> or, or a journalist of some other kind. But I uh, know I went to Marquette as a journalism major, and I had to take an intro to political science course, not because I had any interest in political science, but simply to... Part get, of the curriculum. Get, I had to get a part of the core requirement to get your degree. I had never taken political science at St. Francis, to the extent the word science was in the <laughs> course description, I was pretty sure I wasn't going to like it. Um, but the professor, um, as sometimes would happen at a place like Marquette, was a, a Catholic priest who was a very inspiring person for me. And not to get too serious, um, but he, he truly was a life-changing person. He talked about the... Um, the good that can be done through public service, the good that can be done uh, by getting involved in the political process. Now, it seems quaint now at a time when public officials and Congress are about as popular as, you know, e the Ebola virus. Um, but, you know, he came out of, his name is Father Tim O'Brien. He came out of that, you know, mid-1960s, post-Vatican II, I know not everyone is Catholic, but it's sort yeah. of a post-Vatican II time of sort of awakening and social justice. And, um, you know, he would, he would be described, for as much talk as there is sometimes about the religious right, he would be part of, I suppose, what you would call the religious left. Sure. And always talking about, um, you know, trying to cure the world of hunger and homelessness and all the, you know, all the, th and so when you're a 17 year old <laughs> in the front row from Toledo, Ohio, you're eating all this up. And <laughs> so I just generally started to change my uh, interests and I picked up a, a double major in political science and um, 
you know, very much through his influence, you know, sort of went. Um, there were, I studied for a semester in Washington as part of the Marquette program. Nice. Uh, I studied a semester there, and he ran that program. He is he is still running that program. It is now wow. called it's now called the Les Aspen Center for Government after a uh, congressman from Wisconsin who had ties to Marquette. Um, he's still there. Uh, I'm gonna actually see him in April. I have a, a, some meetings out in Washington. I'll pop in. So he has remained uh, an important person in my life. Uh, when I got married. We actually brought him into Toledo to marry my wife and I. So, oh, yeah. You know, I, so I do, in fact, you can probably tell, as I've told that story, I've sort of stumbled and <laughs> stuttered and stammered a little bit. I'm not comfortable, t I, 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 you know, I'm not a big fan of these politicians who sort of wear their religion on their sleeve and they, t you know, they wear their what would Jesus do bracelets while they slash funding for Head Start and right. just all this yeah. silliness. <laughs> But if you ask the question, it, you know, he is the reason that I began to focus on public service. It, that was his belief. He said, there's people in this world that make decisions that affect you know, millions of homeless people. And you know, we call those people congressmen and senator. And so it was very inspiring. And, and uh, I always said to myself that if I ever stopped believing that, I would do something else. But I do believe, despite all the silliness in Washington that we are enduring, as a country, that if you get into it for the right reasons, you know this is, you know this is a vocation where you can help people. Mm -hmm. Especially the local stuff is so much Absolutely. more directly affected, yep. as opposed to the you know national politics. I do believe so. that. I I believe um, that the public has, it, it, in a very real way, sort of tuned out Washington D.C. They've sort of given up on right. the the foolishness. Um, in a way that I don't think they've given up on locally sure. yet. And I think there's some reasons for it. One, local government isn't as partisan, thank goodness. Um, in, in Congress these days, I think they would filibuster a bill, even if the bill was entitled, do you love your mom? Or, <laughs> yeah, would you like another cookie? You, know, you like pizza. Exactly. <laughs> they, yeah, they, right. they can't agree on anything. Um, and it, it's awful. It's, it's why literally the government is shut down right now. Right. However, at the local level, there, and I've said this and I believe it, there is no Democratic Party way to plow snow. There's no Republican <laughs> Party way to collect leaves. There's no Libertarian way to fill a pothole. It, it's just not a very partisan right. form of government. Yeah. And I think the public respects that. And here's the other thing. The local government is that layer of government that is closest to the people. Sure. Even if you were a big fan of your U.S. Senator, or even if you were a big fan of the President of the United States, you're just very rarely ever going to interact with that person. They're sure. just, and that's even if they were the best and their motives were pure, they're just far away. And they're just, whereas your member of city council, your mayor, your county commissioner, your school board member, you are likely to bump into them at Kroger or at a free family at event a free family at the day. <laughs> or your coach, you know, I might coach your, oh, I coach your daughter's team, you know, so there is a closeness that the public has with local government. And I think that and the general lack of partisanship is why I still have faith that at the local level, government can work to help people. Washington, I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> but at the local level, I think I think we can. You first well, got involved at the local level when you were 26 on city council, is that right? Or it was actually a little younger than that. I uh, um, was 
still a student at University of Michigan, my second year uh, of You were my, on Toledo City Council? Not Toledo City Council, okay. but I was elected to the school board while I was a student at Michigan, actually. Yeah. So I was elected to the school board at 22, maybe, <laughs> 23. Wow. Behind and the curve, Danny. <laughs> Got some catching up to do. <laughs> and the, but then a couple years later, um, it, uh, when I was 26, I got, that is when I was elected to city council. Yeah, and then uh, you became treasurer before that. Tell us about some of those uh, accomplishments and experiences that led you to leading up to become a mayor. Well, from uh, the perspective of an elected official, um, you know, I was on city council, you know, again, I was on the school board for a term. I was on city council for about seven years. Mm -hmm. And then 2004, I was elected treasurer and then um, spent 12 years as county treasurer. So um, it is true that I have been in public life for a number of years, um, and that is a debit in the mind of some. <laughs> but what I would point out are a couple things. First of all, at every step of my public life, the mayor of Cincinnati is calling me right now. <laughs> I'm going to have to ignore him. Want to phone him in? No, I, it would be very odd if I answered him right now. Answer a live, live call on the show, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, but at every stage, um, I, I have tried to be a reformer and uh, an innovator, someone who, who would try to do things differently. So when I was on city council, I started a pharmacy card network that uh, helped seniors save money on their prescription drugs. And then as county treasurer, we uh, put the first public money into building what is now Huntington Arena, and um, the big thing we <laughs> the big thing we we did recently, you know, we created the Lucas County Land Bank, which is a tool that has helped address the problems of vacancy and blight in neighborhoods, and to turn yeah. uh, blights into productive use. So, I, did I read that right? That that uh, affected state law too? Well, no, we changed. We had to change state law to do that. It, it, the idea actually came from Flint, Michigan, of all places. The Genesee County Treasurer, okay. which is where Flint is, sort of the rough equivalent to me as the Lucas County Treasurer, is really the, the pioneer of this movement, and then became something of a Pied Piper. <laughs> he, um, his name is Dan Kildee. He came up with a different way of addressing the problems of vacancy and blight and succeeded to such a degree that he, like the Pied Piper, took his show on the road and started going around teaching other communities how to do this. And he came down to Toledo in boy, 2008, maybe, and uh, convinced me that we needed to do this in Ohio. But to do it in Ohio, we had to change state law. So we did change state law to give counties the ability to, to form land banks. And, uh, and then Lucas, we did, and we did right away. So he is actually, his name is Dan Kildee. He's actually in Congress right now. He's one of the, one of the, the few good ones <laughs> that we haven't got. But so, um, so we did some good things, and I guess the, the, the parallel or the, you know, the, the transition I'm trying to make is that those are the sorts of things I've done over the years, and it was partly why I ran for mayor, because I, I believe that the city needs to have that same sort of reform, innovation. We just have to do things differently. Mm -hmm. And so during my years in public life, I have tried to do those types of things, and I want to try to do those things as mayor as well. I just think we have to adapt, reform, adjust, or else we're going to get left behind. And so that is sort of how I have acted as a political, as, as an elected official over the years and what I hope to be as mayor. It is also worth noting that I have um, 
you know, I've worked outside of the public sector too, um, but it, it, they've always generally uh, been in sort of social service, you know, some would say bleeding heart types of fields. So I worked at the Mental Health Board for a number of years. Uh, I worked at Compass, which I know is no longer, it's been taken over by the Zeff Center. Oh, yeah. uh, but that, that was an, um, you know, try to help people who are suffering from drug and alcohol addictions. And uh, so I've, you know, done those sorts of things. And I have taught American government uh, at uh, university level. I teach a course in urban studies now at Lords also. But primarily, I have been in public life. There's no question. So you've, you've now been officially mayor less than a month, right? I, as a result, I don't think I've screwed up too much yet. <laughs> Just give me time. You, are you settling in? Are you feeling like this is yeah. wearing well? It is. Um, people have asked me, and I, and I think they've expected me to, to be, have been surprised by something yet. And I really haven't. I mean, it is, this has been just about what I expected it was going to be. Now, it is hard. It's really hard. Right. But I expected it to be hard. Um, it is, you know, 12-hour days, you know, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. But I expected it to be 7 a.m. Right. I expected that. So um, it is, it, it has been what I expected. Um, and that means it's been hard and grueling and tough, but that's okay. That's, it's because it, it's, it's also such an exciting time for Toledo. And I don't want to make it sound like a Chamber of Commerce, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, a commercial here. But this is an exciting time, not just for Toledo, but for urban America in general. Last year, for the first time since the invention of the automobile, so now we're going back, you know, over 100 years, cities grew at a faster rate than their suburbs. Now, suburbs aren't going anywhere. Suburbs also grew, but cities are growing faster. And I think a lot of it actually has to do with, I'm pointing at you as millennials, um, a lot of it has to do with millennials. Now, not all of it. I, you know, there, other generations are part of um, what's happening in urban America, but a big part of it is the millennial generation who, and I don't know what your personal experience is, but generally speaking, seem to uh, crave an urban, walkable, bikeable environment. Right. They have never, you know, you're not as drawn to the Donna Reed, leave it to Beaver, uh, you know, white picket fence, detached garage narrative of older generations. I know that my generation, the day I turned 16 years old, I was breaking the door down to get my driver's license. <laughs> There's a lot of data that shows that younger Americans are, they're, they're not, a, they're not, it's not as important to them. Yeah. So all of those forces are causing cities to grow in a way that they haven't maybe in 40 years. And it's not just Toledo, all over the country. I mean, McDonald's was, um, first of all, a place I know too well. Um, <laughs> But for 60 years, they've been located, they were located in the quintessential suburban office, I don't know if it's Schaumburg or Oak, wherever they were, out in the suburbs of Chicago. They closed the, the suburban office and they move into downtown Chicago. It's happening all over the country and it's happening in our town as well. Um, Prometica is down here, not just because Randy Ostra is a good guy, he is a good guy. Also a friend of the show. Yep. Uh, he is a good guy, <laughs> but he's down here because this it is good for his business model. You know, the Lathrop Company was one of the founding fathers of our suburban office park, right. which is known as Arrowhead Park. Yep. 
in August of 1980, they opened a shop out there, one of the very first, they closed that suburban thing and they moved downtown. So there is, a, there is something happening in the market, in the market. There, when I was on city council 15 years ago, we could not bribe people to live downtown. I know because I, I remember Cardi trying. <laughs> but the point is now, we have waiting lists. We right, have right, three-year yeah. waiting lists yeah. to get down. So and there, stuff like the Dora Act and all, all that, of that. Just so much cool things so there is happening something downtown. Something happening sure. in the market, uh, in this country, that is promoting urban America. That's a very long-winded answer. But the point is, <laughs> I don't want to blow this chance. That we have a chance. We have a window of opportunity where we can really do some things here and, and turn Toledo into the town we all know it can be. We just have to have the guts to do some things a little differently. Awesome. So I, I know best laid plans and all that, you know, but in an ideal world, what would you most like to accomplish in your time as mayor? Many of the things that we have to do uh, are not going to be very exciting. You know, they're not going to be the sorts of things where the balloons and the confetti falls from the ceiling, um, but they're crucially important. We have to be more efficient in how we deliver the services of government. I think there are departments that we can consolidate or merge and improve. And we do that not just to save some money, though we will, but we would improve services. Um, our building inspection and permitting process is, it's a mess. And I've met with the employees there, their hard work, it's not their fault, but there, there was a bureaucracy there that is broken. We need to fix that. I think there are opportunities to partner with the Metro Parks that would allow our parks to be stronger in our region, um, but it could also free up, we could do it in such a way that would free up resources to allow us to deploy it in more efficient ways. So we need to do all of those things. None of them are gonna seem exciting. The citizens may actually only be dimly aware that they're happening, yeah. but we have to make sure that city government is ready to partner with business to help the community take this up. Now, it's not going to be all, you know, the sort of invisible meat grinding of government. I mean, it has to happen. Sure. But there, there should be and will be tangible um, deliverables that we, we can all point to as measures of success or failure. The economic activity that is happening downtown that we're all excited about, now it needs to start bleeding out into the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. You know, it has to start moving down Broadway into the historic oh, yeah. South Corridor. It has to move down Monroe Street. It has to uh, squeeze up Summit Street and Cherry Street, the major arteries. I mean, if you want to think of the downtown, this is going to be a goofy analogy, and since most of the people are going to be listening to this, they will not see me pumping my fist <laughs> like a heart. <laughs> but if you think of downtown, and the economic activity down here is a heart that is beating, and it is in a way that it hasn't in 40 Absolutely. years. What has to happen now is to do what hearts do, and that is to pump that blood out the arteries to the other parts of the body, while our body is the city, and our arteries are Monroe Street, Broadway, Cherry Street, Summit. So we have something good happening downtown that needs to start for lack of a better word, oozing, <laughs> oozing out into the neighborhood. So I think that is a tangible deliverable. Um, I'd like to see, and I think we will see more green space um, in this community, that we have about 35 acres of green space in our urban core. Most um, 
Experts think that number should be 10 times greater, should be 300 acres. Wow. Some of that is coming online with Frank Cass's development in the Marina Project. Sure. There's more I think we can do. I think we can create a park out in the middle of Lake Erie that is adjacent to Cohen Park. It's Ooh. 150 Ooh. Like acre Island. park called Grassy Island. Cool. That's half the size of Ottawa Park, but twice the size of what Frank Cass is doing. So it would be like a ferry to get to it or something then? Or? There is a peninsula or a, a, a dike that's there now nice. that takes you out to about 200 yards from grass. Pretty Island. narrow, yeah. It is narrow. Yeah. What will have to happen is a boardwalk. Right now, you could park at Cullen Park. The parking lot is already there. And you can walk up that dike about halfway there, and then it gets tough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but much like behind the manor park, uh, the, uh, behind the manor house at Wildwood, there's that sort of boardwalk over the marsh here, mm -hmm. we, could, we will have something like that that will take you all the way out to the tip, and that tip gets you to about 150 yards from Grassy Island, put a little footbridge there, and then all of a sudden, we have our Grant Park. Sure. You know, we are a city on a great lake, and you can't get to it, unless you're lucky enough to live <laughs> at the end of 113th Street or 115th Street. Or take a boat. You can't get to a great lake. What other city, lucky enough to be on a great lake, would make it impossible for its citizens to get there? So we're going to do things like that. Cool. And, uh, and those will be measurable and tangible. Great. Good. Uh, now I think we've talked about some serious issues. Let's have some fun. Okay. Uh, one that of the things we fun. like to do on here <laughs> is uh, Toledo Trivia. So we're going to ask three questions and a bonus. If you get three right, you get to go home with this lovely Toledo Matters coffee mug and this roast of actual coffee. It's a Ethiopia Sidharma Ardi blend. It was roasted two days ago, so it's pretty fresh. If you like coffee, it's good stuff. Yes. Wait, my, I know your children are already in the audience. <laughs> my two children have walked in. My 13-year-old daughter, Emma, is, is like flash. welcome. Thank you for joining thumbs us. Thumbs up, and <laughs> my 11-year-old son is next to her. When they hear the word roast, though, I, as an old man now, listen to what the kids are saying. <laughs> to them, a roast is a put-down. Right. So, oh, yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> That's the next episode. <laughs> so That's the post This is an stuff. intriguing type of roast, but for them, whenever Emma does something to foil her younger brother, she will walk away saying, roast. So, I just want to make sure we know what we're playing for here. This is roasted beans from yes, Guatemala. roasted coffee beans. All right. Uh, question number one. In 1835, Michigan and Ohio fought over the Toledo Strip. How many casualties were caused in that war? There were no fatalities. Ding. There were, it is arguable whether there may have been a casualty, but as far as I can understand, the worst thing that could happen is that one person ended up drunk. <laughs> and, and that's not an exaggeration. Pretty good war. <laughs> and, and can I tell an interesting oh, little bit of trivia just about this? The Toledo War to which you referred to, it took place in 1835. Yep. Toledo was formed as a city in actually 1833, and for the first four years that Toledo was a city, it was located in the state of Michigan, right? Yeah. It was, so there was a place called Toledo, Michigan for four years, <laughs> from 1833 to 1837. Ready for this? During those four years, the University of Michigan, which was founded in 1817, was looking, and but founded in downtown Detroit, was looking for a place for a more permanent campus, yeah. a place we now know as Ann Arbor. But the but what they they the University of Toledo bought land in Toledo, Toledo, Michigan, and had every intention of locating the University of Michigan roughly where you know where Grumpy's is, yeah, oh, yeah. Now, oh, yeah. where sort of Grumpy's and and the Erie <laughs> Street Market. 
there, the University of Michigan was going to be right there. Wow. But awesome. <laughs> two years later, the Toledo War happened, yeah. and that and part of Toledo was, <laughs> well, I guess, well, okay, so we'll go to Ann Arbor instead. But that is how, so had the Toledo War gone a different direction, the University of Michigan would have been located. Wow. We have a lot more Michigan State fans. Do I get credit here. for that answer? Oh, oh yes. Yep. You got, that was a, you got the, I get extra credit. Yeah, yeah, like you got the bonus on top of it. All right, wait, question two. Who was uh, Ohio's governor during that war? Is it Robert <laughs> Lucas? It was. Oh, man. All right. Dang. He, right. he may be joining the... Uh... Emma is really excited. She's like, yes! <laughs> I'm going to get coffee, which I don't even drink. <laughs> Pretty good, too. Uh, you, number you three. Ask, yeah, go ahead, Dan. Who was, during Prohibition, who was the Detroit gangster and bootlegger that brought the Purple Gang down to Toledo? Giovanni Licavoli. Yep. Ding. So I'm three and, for three. Yep. And as Elvis re would remind us 20 years later, the whole rhythm section was the Purple Gang. Ooh. But that's a that's, reference is way above your head, Sorry, you, you young you Now, young now if you get this last question right, you'll join a short list of Toledo Matters uh, guests that have gotten four for four. So I'm three for three. Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, who was the Lucas County prosecutor who finally took down Yanni Licavoli and the Purple Gang? Was it Fraser Reams? It was. <laughs> All right. All right. Good job. So th these are yours to keep. Okay. A nice coffee mug. And a so coffee nobody else went four for four? Uh, like Dr. Durant. Oh. Yep, Dr. Durant, Durant did. And um, one other that I'm... Was it Randy Ostra? I don't remember. Okay. We'd have to review our records. It, it's okay. a very short crew, so those parties are very intimate. Well, I'm so competitive. <laughs> I now want to go to them one-on-one -on -one and, and try to have you I'll come facilitate up with like a bonus question. Yeah, we, I'll facilitate full that. Full style. Okay. We should definitely do like a, 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 yeah. a trivia show. <laughs> well, the last thing we do uh, with all of our guests is we like to ask them, uh, what's a hidden gem that you know about that you think more people in the Toledo area ought to know about? I, I think I might answer this two ways. Um, the first, and this is probably not going to be my answer, but it, it, there are some really interesting historical markers in and around Toledo. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know if I would call them gems, because I actually I have another answer I want to give. <laughs> but there's some really neat history that happened here that just not a lot of people know about. Um, you go up to you know where Detweiler Golf Course is, across the street at the um, wastewater treatment plant, you will find an Ohio historical marker for what arguably it was the most, certainly the most significant sporting event that ever happened in Toledo, and among the most significant of historical events. And that was the Dempsey-Willard heavyweight title fight, yeah. July 4th, 1919. Don't forget, at that time, the two most popular sports in the United States were boxing and golf. The NFL hadn't been created yet. Hockey was something that was only played in Canada. Even baseball had, Babe Ruth was not the, even Babe Ruth hadn't emerged yet. So the, <laughs> the biggest deal in the country was boxing, and to some extent golf. And within a 13-month span, from July 4th, 1919, to August of 1920, the two biggest sporting events in the United States of America happened in Toledo. <laughs> the heavyweight title fight up there, and then... The next summer, the U.S. Open golf at Inver at was at Inverness. Inverness, yeah. So that would be the rough equivalent to a community today hosting the Super Bowl and the Final Four in back-to-back -back years. Anyhow, there is a Ohio historical market. I mean, it's a, such a famous event, and, it, and somehow we decide to honor it by putting our wastewater treatment plant <laughs> there. You know? So there are a number of historical markers all over this community that are worth reflecting upon. But to answer your question, I think, for a hidden gem, it's an actual place that you can go... Maybe this is not a hidden gem, and maybe everyone knows it. But in Ottawa Park, 
there is an amphitheater. The Ottawa Park Amphitheater yeah. is, I think, a little overlooked and underappreciated. Oh, yeah. I would say that's certainly hidden. <laughs> it's definitely a hidden hidden gem, yeah. definitely. Well, it's physically hidden. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a WPA project, a big part of... I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of Toledo that was built mm -hmm. during the New Deal, the zoo, parts of the university, but that amphitheater also was and just has a lot of potential uh, that has gone unmatched. Well, all right, great. Well, I great, think we you. are... Out of time. Oh, yeah, they're giving me um, So thank you all for joining us at the Toledo Matters podcast. Uh, if you would like to listen to our other episodes, you can find us at ToledoMatters.com, and we have all the episodes on there, and you can find us anywhere where uh, podcasts are hosted. And, Mayor, thank you very much for thank you very being much. our guest. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.